Chapter 31 of A Woman of Yesterday. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Usha Novi. A Woman of Yesterday by Caroline Atwater Mason. Chapter 31. Heaven's gift takes earth's abatement. He who smites the rock and spreads the water, bidding drink and live a crowd beneath him. Even he, the minute makes immortal, proves, perchance, but mortal in the minute. These secrets be like the deed in doing. Robert Browning Relays of men had been at work in the woods, clothing the steep banks of the ravine above Fritania for three days, even while the rain was falling in torrents. It was absolutely necessary to secure the lumber while the river was of a depth to carry it downstream and for a time all other work was in abeyance. Gregory had worked steadily with the rest at the woodcutting, but Keith had told Anna the night before that on Saturday morning, he would be obliged to go down to Spalding, the small town in the plain below the valley, on urgent business concerning notes which were coming due and must be extended if possible. It was therefore with great surprise that Anna, as they approached the spot where the men were at work, heard Freda exclaim, There is the master himself. See? Sister Penignia? They had had a merry scramble up the gorge, but a hard one. The swollen stream had submerged the narrow path by which the ascent was commonly made, and it was only by finding the footholds cut out by the men with their axes in the earth of the dripping, slippery bank above that Anna and her companion had been able to make their way on. Holding their pails with one hand and clinging to overhanging branches or roots of ferns and laurel with the other, shaking the splashes of rain from the dripping leaves as they struck their faces, the two had scrambled breathlessly forward, and now at length the welcome sound of the axe greeted their ears, and they saw a little beyond, strewing the underbrush, the new chips and shining splinters of stripped bark, which told that trees had recently been felled. Anna had just stopped to exclaim, How good it smells, Freda! Such a wild, pure smell! And was laughing at her own choice of adjectives when Freda had called her attention to John Gregory. He was standing at no great distance from them, in the midst of the rapid, roaring creek, where the water reached nearly to the tops of his high boots, and, with a strong pole in both hands, was directing the course of the logs, which were eddying wildly about him on the surface of the torrent, into the proper channel which should carry them downstream. Frida's voice attracted his attention to their approach, and, without pause, he strolled through the water, leaped up the bank, and was promptly in the path, if it could be called such, before them, 
holding out both hands to relieve them of their burdens and smiling a cordial greeting. Anna's cheeks wore a vivid flush. Then you did not go to Spalding? she asked, seeking to quiet the confusion of her surprise and the immoderate beating of her heart. Frida, she saw gratefully, was quite as excited. It was so unusual for Mr. Gregory to bestow attentions of this sort upon them. It was not strange that one should be a little stirred. No, he said, leading on in the now broadening path. I found I could send a letter by Charlie, and the men rather needed a long-legged fellow like myself up here this morning. But I see that my doing this has reacted unexpectedly upon you. Charlie not being on hand to bring the dinner, our ladies have had to take his place. And Gregory turned toward them as he spoke with regret and apology, which were evidently sincere. Are you very tired? he asked simply, looking at Frida but speaking to Anna. They both declared that it had been great fun, and they were not in the least tired, and indeed the bright bloom of their cheeks and the laughter in their eyes and the elastic firmness of their steps were sufficient reassurance. I think, Mr. Gregory, said Anna, quite at her ease now, that Fritania women can never know anything of the disease of civilization, nervous prostration. It will become extinct in one spot at least more honoured in the breach than the observance quoted gregory we shall hail its loss soon they reached a little clearing where the underbrush trampled down the rugged steepness of the bank declining to a gentler slope and the sun having found full entrance by reason of the removal of the larger trees there was a possibility of finding a dry place to rest here they were soon joined by half a dozen men several of whom had brought the dinner with them and preparations were made for a fire to heat the coffee which filled one of the pails brought by anna and freda the other was solidly packed with sweet wholesome brown bread and butter and thick slices of meat the fat pine chips and splinters burned readily in spite of the all-pervading dampness, and the coffee pail suspended over the small campfire from a hastily improvised tripod was soon sending up a deliciously fragrant steam. The men treated the two women as if they had been foreign princesses, covering a great tree trunk with their coats for a kind of throne for them and serving them with coffee in tin cups with much flourish of mock ceremony this part of the proceedings john gregory watched from a little distance leaning against a tree a smile of quiet pleasure in his eyes he refused the coffee for himself drinking always and only water but ate the bread and meat they handed him with hearty relish and a vast appetite by a sort of inevitable gravitation, almost before the meal was concluded, Freda had strayed off into the woods with Matt Taylor, son of Anna's neighbor, whose devotion to her was one of the especial moments for Fredania folk that spring. 
a certain view from the crest of the hill beyond the little clearing was by no means to be missed then one after the other the men took up their axes and returned to their work but john gregory kept his place and still stood leaning against a tree facing anna the smouldering embers of the fire between he had been speaking on a subject in which all had been interested the prayer test advocated by mr tinder which had attracted the attention of the scientific and religious world of that time the men had gone away reluctantly leaving the conversation to these two heretofore anna had hardly spoken but now with deepening seriousness she said i feel the crude incredible impertinence of such a test as this which mr tyndall has proposed and yet it brings up very keenly to me my own attitude for many years gregory looked a question but did not speak and anna went on a good woman whom i once heard speak at mrs ingraham's in burlington gave me an idea of prayer quite new to me then but which i at least partially accepted and which has had its effect on my inner life ever since it was that we were to pray to god for every small material interest of life and were to expect definite concrete physical return that if such was not our experience it was because we were not dwelling near god and were out of harmony with him this life of answered prayer and perfect demonstrable union which she described was called the higher life what was your own experience it has been a long experience of spiritual defeat i prayed for years for every temporal need asked for whatever i deeply desired and never perhaps there was one exception but hardly more received an answer to my praying which i could fairly assume to be such anna's face was profoundly sad as she spoke with a sense of the baffling disappointments of years in the end what has been the effect on you i have ceased to pray at all mr gregory i know that sounds very harsh perhaps very wrong but i lost the expectation of a response and the constant defeat and failure made me bitter and unbelieving god seemed only to mock my prayers not to fulfill it seemed to me at last that i was dishonoring him by praying and that waiting in silence and patience was shown to be my portion do you think that was sinful anna raised her eyes timidly to gregory's face with this question and met the repose and steady confidence of it with a swift presentiment of comfort no he answered i think you were simply struggling to release yourself from the meshes of the net which a mercenary conception of prayer cannot fail to throw over the soul it was said of john woolman and a holier man never lived that he offered no prayers for special personal favors 
i believe the theory of prayer of your burlington friend not only mistaken but dangerous and misleading instead of such a habit of mind as she described being a higher life i should call it a lower one the nearer the man comes to god the less he prays not the more for definite objective things and externals the more he rests on the great goodwill of god prayer was not designed for man to use to confirm a reluctant god to his will to get things given him but to confirm the man's own blind and erring will to the divine by this i do not mean to say that no prayers for temporal objects are granted many have been but the soul that feeds itself on this conception of prayer as a system of practical demand and supply lives on husks but there are many promises anna said with hesitation yes said gregory with the emphasis of sure conviction crossing the space between them to stand directly before her forgetting all his usual scruples but you must interpret scripture by scripture by the whole tendency and purpose not by isolated mottoes which men like to drag out for spiritual decoration breaking off short all their roots which reach down into the solid rock of universal truth look at our lord himself did he ask for ease and rest and joys it is only as we enter into his spirit that our prayers are answered and that almost means that we shall cease to pray at all for personal benefits he prayed often whole nights together but was it that he might win his own cause with the people about him was it not rather for the multitudes upon whom he had compassion and that god the father should be made manifest in himself ha sister benigna few of us have sounded the depths of this great subject of prayer it is one of the deepest things of god and believe me it is not until we have cast out utterly the last shred of the notion of childish coaxing of god to do what will please us that we can catch some small perception of its meaning but let me say just one thing more you are too young to count any prayer unanswered at present you see in part and interpret god's dealings only in part at the end of life your interpretation will be larger calmer than it is now we change the cruel prayers we made and even here live to praise god that they are broken away in his broad loving will anna sat in silence her eyes downcast slowly passing in review the nature of her own most ardent prayers and the deep anguish and doubt of their non-fulfillment not one she saw could bear the high test of likeness to the mind of christ not one but had its admixture of selfishness not one but seemed poor and vain in this new light a nobler conception of the relation of a soul to god seemed to dawn within her she looked up then and saw upon gregory's face that inner illumination which belongs to the religious genius the look of it smote her eyes as if with a white and dazzling light 
and they fell as if it were impossible to bear it. Then she rose, and they stood for a moment alone and in silence, while a sense of measureless content overflowed Anna's spirit, and for an instant made time and space and human relations as if they were not. So strong upon her was a sense of uplift from the contact with the spirit of Gregory, she hardly knew at first that the incredible had happened. John Gregory had taken her hand in his with reverent gentleness for some seconds. He was asking her if he had been able to help her in any wise, and asking it as if he cared very much. She said, yes quite simply, and turned to grow. Freda was coming back, and they were lingering over long. Slowly, they descended the rugged path before them, for a strange trepidation had come over Anna, a vague, new, disturbing joy. End of chapter 31 Recording by Osha Novai